You're listening to a resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. It is our joy to glorify God by treasuring Jesus in the preaching of His Word. We pray this resource will be a tool used to aid in your relationship with Christ in addition to your local church. Blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Glad you are here today. We got a lot of work to do. So if you can open up your Bible, um, I would appreciate that very much. I hope you brought your Bibles. Um, what we do here is we're going to walk through the text. Um, um, always going to stay very close to the text. Um, so we're going to walk right through it. And um, we're going to understand what it says. Chapter 8, starting in verse 4. Um, I love how today's gloomy day is a gloomy day. I love uh, rainy days for some reason. Anybody else? Not really? Gosh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a depressed uh, person. But I tell you that not for no reason, but just that um, when we uh, came and we, you know, uh, retrofitting this building, we said, what could go wrong with um, removing the ceiling and going up higher? Just give us more space. It'd be wonderful. But what we didn't understand is uh, the clouding out of the noise that occurs when you have insulation and a, and a drop ceiling. And so therefore, I just tell you, if it begins to rain harder, uh, just expect we are going to hear some noise, okay? You're going to have to listen even more intently um, as, as the rain comes down, if it does. Um, and so it's not a in a place like Louisiana, where it rains all the time, right? Um, so Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 4, going down to th- 15. If you're wondering, yes, we are covering this, uh, this message again. Now listen, last week, as I told you, we didn't have enough time to cover this back half of the explanation of the text, and we had some people yelling out, that we should do it again. Now, listen, I don't want you to think you're always going to get your way, okay? So don't get used to this, okay? But we, uh, we are indeed going to come to this again for the purpose of understanding this, um, this passage with great clarity. Um, it's an understanding of the soils in this passage, the soils, the heart, the responses. Now, this is, um, this, this is helpful for you as a believer in Jesus Christ as you seek to share the gospel with the lost people People in the world who don't know Jesus, this, this parable is what gives us understanding as to how people will respond to the message, okay? Respond to the message of, of, of the gospel, okay? And this is what Jesus is doing. As Jesus is on earth, the Son of God has come to forgive sins of the people. Luke is showing us now his ministry as he seeks the truth of who he is and what he's come to do. And as he is doing it and his, his disciples are following him, he is sharing with them what they can expect as they, as they bring the gospel forward in the world, as they share their faith um, and as people come to understand the gospel, um, what results can, he can, they can expect from this. And so the reason why we are, are covering this again also another week is because there's more to say that think can be extremely helpful for you, okay? Something that can be, this parable can be extremely helpful for you as a Christian, as just a believer in Jesus Christ who seeks to be on mission, okay, and share your faith. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that the church are those who have, have trusted in Jesus, who are set apart from the world, who are pure, who are holy, being built up into conformity of his image, and who are transformed by the gospel on a regular basis. Um, and so, and then we are beckoning a lost world. Come be a part of this. Come be a part of this. Come be, a, see Jesus, have your sins forgiven. And so this is for the believer as they go forward and share the gospel. We know that this is true also because the disciples are the ones, listen close, this, the disciples are the ones in whom he's sharing the truth of this parable with. 
Okay, he's explaining this parable to the disciples, those who have trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins so that they know as they live on mission and share the gospel with other people as they're going throughout their lives and daily world, that this, these are the results that they can expect as they share the gospel. And so this is very important for you as a Christian as you seek to live on mission. It's also important for you to know, am I in one of these categories? Like, have I received the gospel and yet in maybe a, a, a way that's not congruent with scripture. So I say that to say that's a secondary issue, but I tell you it's primary for you. If you are in Christ, there are a, a few options as you share the gospel that we'll see and how people will respond. If you are one who has claimed to trust in Jesus, right? You want to assess like have, has the gospel truly taken root in my heart and am I growing and is my is my um, is my sure, right? Now you say, well, how do we know that? Well, Jesus is giving us insight into this because we're going to see basically three different categories. One in which is a complete rejection of the gospel. So believers, as you share your faith, complete rejection. There, that will be one response. The second response will be what we call false conversion, okay? It's, I'm not making this up. This is just the truth of the text, and we maybe don't identify this enough. False conversion, Okay? And then thirdly, what we'll see is one that the gospel takes root, it grows, true salvation occurs, and we last on into eternity, following Jesus and come to, to see him face to face one day. So listen, this is very, very important, but for you who are in this room, you should also assess, has the gospel truly taken root? Do I see evidences of this, or am, do I need to be careful because the trajectory of my life is looking like I may be one of these. This is just the truth of how this works. And explain it. The reason why I'm talking fast is we got a lot to cover. Okay. Stay with me. Also, this parable is very profound. It's simple in its essence, but profound in what it teaches. It's memorable. It's extremely important. And we need to provide clarity for it. Now, let me also tell you that the way in which I'm going to do this, because this being week two, of this, it might be a little bit different, okay? As we normally do, I, I will walk through this text very in-depth, verse by verse, to teach us the background, the context, what's happening. I'm going to do the same thing, okay? But I'm also going to give you surrounding information, because what we're trying is the verses at the end that help us to understand the responses people will have to the gospel message, Okay. Now, with that being the case, there's a lot of just clarification that the entire Bible brings towards it that I'm going to bring um, for you. And so, again, it would be a little bit, it might be a little bit different in the fact that we will see a lot more surrounding context from different places in the scriptures. We always see cross references, but today will be um, a little bit more extensive. Now, let me also tell you that as we look at this idea, Okay. Again, I told you it's be a little bit different. I want to. I got to introduce. I got to tell you what I'm going to tell you before I tell you. So, what we need to understand is that salvation needs to be rooted in the truth of God's word and in the truth of the gospel. This is the. This is what we're getting to here. Salvation needs to be rooted in the truths of God's word and the truths of the gospel. Okay, so there are many false conversions that happen due to the fact that it's not based upon any truth. Like, I'm a believer in Jesus. Okay, why do you believe that? Right? And, and this is what Jesus is getting to in this passage. False conversions that are not based upon any truth whatsoever. We need to continually found our lives upon the truth because our eternities depend on it, are at stake. What we see is this picture even in 2 Timothy chapter 3 right? Um, I want to just show you, I'm not going to read all of it, but in the beginning, this is what Paul says to Timothy. Understand this, that in the last days, these are now, okay? From the time that Jesus lived, died, resurrected, all the way till when he returns, those are the last days, right? We are in the last days. There will come times of difficulty for, here's the reason, people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, right? This is, this is common. This is, you're saying to yourself, yeah, this is our culture. This is the world. This is what sin has done, right? 
Not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now here's the essence. Look at this. Ready? Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Okay? There will be, as we, he goes on, right? There will be some who have, uh, uh, they're always learning, verse 7 in this, but never able to truly arrive at the knowledge of the truth of the gospel. Right. What we see is that these people are that what Paul describes as imposters. Now, if we go down in the verse a little bit, Dev, if you can stay with me, here's what he's telling Timothy to do. Verse 14, as you continue in what we have learned and have fully believed, knowing from whom you learned it, how from childhood, look at this, ready, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He's talking about there will be an appearance of godliness, but people will deny its power. And what he's saying is those who truly have salvation will find it in the truth of God's word right? The sacred writings, those are which able to make you wise for salvation and faith in Christ Jesus. Then he goes on, verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I show you this to tell you that the essence is that we have to have a salvation founded on the truth of God's word, the truth of the gospel, rooted in the truth. Second Timothy chapter four, Paul says this once again in the same vein. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the living in the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, right? That's the important thing. Look at this. For a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And my heart breaks because of the cult, there's a culture that is based, of, the salvation is based upon myths. But it, it believes that there's true salvation. And I tell you this because this is what Jesus is alluding to. We must have a salvation based on the truth of his word. Salvation also rooted in the truth of the gospel. Here's the essence of what we're understanding today, that not everybody who says I'm a Christian is a Christian. Now, I tell you that as, as believers in Christ Jesus so that you can understand the responses you will receive when you try to lovingly share the gospel with the people around you. That's what Jesus is getting to here. Matthew 7 shows us explicitly, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out many demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, the essence of knowing, right, like what we see in Genesis chapter, um, chapters 1 through really 3 and, and before the fall in, in chapter 3 is that there was a knowing of God. There was an intimacy and where even Adam and Eve knew each other, right? He says, turn away from me. There's not true salvation that has taken place. James 2.19 says the same type of thing. You believe that God is one good. You, you do well, but even the demons believe and they shudder. Right? Like even the demons in hell know that Jesus Christ died for sin. And so the issue's got to be a salvation rooted in the truth of the gospel. I tell you this out of love. I want you to be saved. And I tell you this as you share the gospel that you can expect reality when you share it. Now, this is hard. I grew up in a, in a way that was totally apart from God, right? For 22 years of my life in Chicago. Um, doing everything that I was, I was big enough to do, anything that, that, you, could, that you could think of, involving um, drugs, terrible friendships, um, gang members around me all the time, a um, lot of money, um, uh, parties, fights, etc. And when I came to know Christ, it was through my time in, in college where a campus ministry pursued me with the gospel. And what I, re what, what I perceived in that time in the, in the Bible Belt, I don't even know really why they say belt. Like, why can't it be something else? In Kentucky was um, a culture that, and I, and I love Kentucky, but a culture that grows up hearing the gospel and yet looks nothing like what the scripture says looks like, right? And here's me coming out. I just come to know Christ. I can't believe my sins are forgiven and my life is changing. Right? And I'm not superior, but what I'm telling you is my observation was this doesn't compute. 
right? Those who say they're Christians and what the Bible says a Christian looks like. And so my burden then became oftentimes helping people understand that you biblically you don't look like you know Jesus, even though you claim you do. Helping people get lost before they can get saved, right? And, and I, out of love, and, and this is what we can do from this passage that we're about to look at is to help people truly come into saving faith. And as we share the gospel, know what to expect, what reality is, right? And so what we're going to see today is, is the essence of the heart. The soil that is represented in this passage is the heart. It's, it's when we evangelize what the heart will do and how it will respond. And listen, all hearts are the same. All hearts are full of sin, but all hearts are different in the way that they've been influenced or the trajectory that they're on or their past, etc. But we can walk through what the essence of the responses are that we will receive, right? Uh, the first half of this passage, I'm not going to go into details, but I'm going to just kind of bullet right through it. And then we're going to just spend our time in verses 11 through 15, which is the back half of this. The primary focus is going to be on, um, on the explanation of, of the parable. And so as you share your faith, this is going to help you to understand the culture, understand your assessment of your own heart, understand maybe the responses that you're going to see and this parable will help you understand that, that there is a separation between those who know Jesus and who maybe think they do and that we want to um, share our faith with the world and help people truly come to know Jesus. Um, and so what I will tell you is, is as we move into this, pray. Pray this whole time as we talk through this passage. Pray for yourself. God, expose to me. I look like I'm about on the trajectory of this could... I could fall away one day and prove not to have ever really known Jesus. God, keep me, change me, create in me a clean heart, make me stay, hold on to me, keep me to the end so that I can truly be saved. And also pray, God, as I share my faith, help me to, to really understand the reality here and help me my heart to break for those who I'm sharing the gospel with so that I can see true salvation in the people that I, I love and care about. Let's pray and we're going to read Luke chapter 8. Father, we come before you. This is, a, this is a tall task. But God, we just want to see your word. We just want to know the truth of it. We just want to understand the essence. We just want to know what the truth of, of salvation looks like. We want to know what, it, what, it, what the possibilities are in people's responses. We want to see with biblical lenses and clarity of vision. We don't want to, we don't want to just be naive to the fact that we think everybody um, already knows you. And, and God, we want to do that because we care uh, about you and we care about salvation. We care about people. God, we also pray for the people in this room that we would, this would produce in us a group of people who all know you with, with all of their hearts, that people would know you and be saved and no one would walk out of here today without true salvation. And God, I just pray that you would do this um, mighty uh, work that only you can do. And, um, and God, we need you to do it as we expose your word without a lot of time to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Luke chapter 8. They got to put a different mic on me. I don't know why I'm cutting out here, but hopefully this will help. Okay, ready? Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 4. Those guys do that so quickly. I don't know how. Good job, team. Um, all right, ready? Chapter four, uh, verse 4, Luke chapter 8, all the way to verse 15. And when a great crowd um, was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. This is Jesus talking now, red letter. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and with it and with it and choked it. And some fell into the good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. Let him hear. And when the disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others, 
They are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes, takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones who are on the rock are those when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But those uh, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So... Great passage, incredible passage. We're going to, let's kind of move into the verses that we're going to move into, verse 11. We're going to start in the beginning, verse 4, and just, we're going to get there, okay? So let's kind of just give some overview. Um, Verse 4, what we understand is that Jesus, he had just told the Pharisees that they're being kind of picky about the Savior. They don't like who he is, so they're rejecting it. Then we see the opposite. We see this woman who needs great forgiveness, and she receives Jesus because she needs her sin forgiven. Then what we see is that Jesus now, verse, verse 1 really in chapter 8, is traveling from towns and villages because he's being rejected, right? He's not teaching in the synagogues anymore. He's on the roads, the villages. He's, he's preaching uh, forgiveness of sin to sinners, the poor and the powerless. And as he's doing that, we saw in Matthew chapter 13, which supplements this passage here, that he is in a house. He comes out of this house. Great crowds are gathering, so much so that they're pushing Jesus to the water, right? And uh, they wanting, they're wanting to hear him. There's thousands of people, inevitably some true disciples, some not, some false converts, false disciples. Jesus then backs up to the water, gets on a boat, pushes out, sits down, and begins to teach people from the boat, as a rabbi would do, sitting down and teaching people from the boat. They can only get so far, right, because of the water. Therefore, he could teach from this boat. And that's what's happening in this verse 4, right? And so he begins to teach them in a parable. A parable, what we saw is when we put something congruent, adjacent to something else, in order to bring clarity to the spiritual reality, okay? So that's what he's doing, a story to bring greater truth to the reality of the spiritual truth. And what he says is in verse 5, a sower goes out, sows his seed, right? The sower is not identified, although we get the idea that it's him, but it's also us as we look into the spiritual truth. And we see really four soils here. Look at this, verse 5, ready? He went out to sow his seed. That means this, this, uh, this farmer, he brings seed, Right, he's probably gotten a big sack or something, and he's tossing it. Um, they call it broadcasting, literally broadcasting. Right, um, he's not on the radio; he is just throwing seed far. And as he's doing this, inevitably, some fall along a path and are trampled underfoot. Okay, and the birds of the air devour it. So what we understand is that there's fields, right? Many fields. This is kind of the uh, this is kind of the occupation of the day, and there's paths in between these fields. Undoubtedly, they've been walked over many a times. The path is hard. It's ground. It's clay. It's rocky. The sun is beating down. It's hot, right? And this is where the people are walking. So this seed is, it ends up on that path somehow, right? And there's no penetration to the, in the path whatsoever. The seed literally bounces or ricochets or ends up on this path but it's too hard. The soil is too hard. There's zero penetration of seed into soil whatsoever, right? Bounces. And what happens is as people are walking or as the birds of the air see this thing, they come devour it or people just trample it over their feet, right? That's the, that's the, the issue. Then what we see is in verse six, he talks about the second soil. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. This is the idea. There's no rock in the soil on the surface because the farmer, like, they're too good for that stuff, right? They're not going to just toss seed in a rocky soil and say, I hope this thing works. Like, this is a soil that on the surface looks extremely um, uh, ready, plowed, prepared for the seed, yet underneath, 
underneath, it's rocky. Like just too far down for the plow to hit it, but yet not so far up that you can see it. And so as the seed goes in, it begins to feed on the nutrients around it. And so it looks like, man, this thing's going to take, right? It starts to go up. You're like, we did it. We got a crop. And yet, as it begins to try to develop its own root system and go down, it never develops its own root system. It's blocked by the rock. And, uh, and so it never grows. And so the sun comes, the heat comes, the element of this world comes, right? And therefore, when it comes, this plant withers. It just dies. It doesn't last, okay? So then we move on to verse 7, because it doesn't go down. It's got no moisture, no nutrients. So verse 7, some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. This is one in which falls in soil, same kind of thing, looks good from the surface, looks good from the outside, and yet within the soil, there are toxicities, there are impurities, there are things that are not supposed to be there, right? Weeds, thorns, things that are removing the nutrients from the plant, right? That choke it out because they're taking the moisture. They're bigger, they're stronger, at least that's what they seem like, and yet, and you know weeds, they are, they grow fast, right? Like, you get a few weeds and all of a sudden your grass is grown and it's all weeds, right? And they're taking all the nutrients and there's even some thorns in there that are choking it out. Um, And so it looks like it's going to take and then begins to be choked out by the impurities that are there. Finally, we see some fell on the good soil. I was prepared. And the seed comes in and takes root and goes down deep and receives its nutrients and develops its own root system and grows and produces a crop a hundredfold. Now, a hundredfold is hyperbole. It's, it, is, um, it is an extreme in the sense of uh, if its own crop produced itself 10 times over, that was an extremely good crop. A hundred times over, unthinkable, right? Unheard of to produce yourself a hundred times over in this. And yet this is what this fruit, this seed in the good soil will do, right? So then as he goes on, look at verse eight, right? He starts talking about why he's speaking in parables, which begins to give us insight into the latter half. Now stay with me, ready? Because parables were not spoken by Jesus to simplify the message. It was to intensify it. Okay, so parables were not spoken to simplify, but to intensify that those who would search for these truths would be truly saved. He was speaking and separating the casual hearer from the one who is ready to receive. It was also a form of judgment because those who didn't care then would not hear the spiritual truth and be left to go on their own. And by the way, there's mercy there too. He combines that mercy with judgment. As I was talking to Mike Linstead about this past week, because if you don't hear this message, there's accountability in some way that's not there. And so to spare the wicked from even a greater disaster in judgment He is sparing them from the truth that is here. This parable is intensifying. And what we see here, he's saying, as those who are hearing, if you can hear it, let them hear. Like those who can understand the spirit of God is working and God is drawing you. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Can you get this? This is what he's saying here. Can you get this? Believers, followers, disciples, do you get this? Understand this. And this is, at the same time, separating those who would not be his true disciples. Verse 9, he says, we allude to the same thing. The disciples ask him what this parable meant. They're the ones who care. The disciples come. Now there's a separation between the thousands of people of the casual hearers and the ones who want to follow. And they're saying, he said, disciples, want, they want to know they're coming. Explain to us, Jesus. We want to know what this means. We want to understand the spiritual truth. We want to be changed by it. So he says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, right? You, God is working in your life. You're truly saved. You believe. Others, to others, there's in, they're in parables. So that seeing they may see, they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. So this is a form of judgment. This is a turning point in Jesus' ministry. Jesus, from here forward, would only speak to the crowds in parables, it actually says in Matthew chapter 13. He is letting the people go. Those who have rejected him, he's saying, okay, you can have what you want. 
In chapter 9, verse 50, he's going to move towards Jerusalem. This is the second half of his Galilean ministry, and he's not playing around. He's not playing around. He's separating those who would be his true disciples and those who are just casual hearers are pursuing him for the wrong reasons. He's quoting what we see in chapter 6 of Isaiah, where Isaiah is, after the famous scene where he sees God, God tells Isaiah, go and talk to the people, and here's what he says to say. They keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and they're blind and blind their eyes, lest what they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, turn and be healed. He's giving them over to their sin. And so at this point now, the true disciples come and say, tell us what this means. And this is for those who care, who believe, who are saved, and who are gonna bring the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth so that they know what to expect as they're sharing their faith. Verse 11, ready? The parable then is this. It's explained. Before we talk about the soils, one other thing is that the seed is the word of God. This is what he says. The seed is the word of God. So listen, the seed is the gospel. Look at this in 1 Peter, ready? Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Of God, This is how you come to faith in Jesus. The seed is scattered. The gospel is scattered. You hear the gospel. It takes root in, the, in your heart, and it begins to grow and produce fruit and lasts into eternity, and you have salvation, right? This is how people are born again. That's what Jesus is alluding to here. Notice there's no uh, reference to the sower and his skill set. So lest you become discouraged when you share the gospel with people and they either reject it or they prove to be a false convert and some produce true salvation. Don't be discouraged. This is what Jesus says is going to happen, right? And so this is what we can take heart in as we share the gospel. Also, there's no, there's no uh, reference to how great the quality of the seed is. The seed quality is not in question here. The gospel and the sower are not in question. It's just the soil of the heart and the response. So we see four soils and there's four hearts. Ready? We're going to focus the rest of our time on these verses, 12 through 15. First thing we see is the unprepared heart. When you share the gospel, this is the first thing that you will see. This is the first one that you will experience, and this is the unprepared heart. Okay? Unprepared heart. Now, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this, but this is the essence. You guys hot in here? Is it hot in here? Yeah? Someone who has control of that, can you turn that down? Tanner, wherever he's at. All right. He's out there. He'll hear me. Tanner, can you turn that air down? All right. I'm thinking for you, okay? Just kidding. Um, listen, the first, what we see is the unprepared heart. This is the first soil you will experience as you share the gospel message, okay? The unprepared heart. Now listen, as we see this in verse 12, let me explain it to you, ready? Here's what we see. The first, Jesus, as Jesus is explaining this, here's what he says. Here's the explanation. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Let me show you the cross-references sup, to supplement this with the same account in Matthew and Mark, just to give you greater understanding. Ready? Hear then this parable of the sower. It's the exact same account, it's just in Matthew. Ready? When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, does not understand it, so this one helps us to see, does not understand it also, okay? So we got insight into even more specifics. The evil one comes, that's the devil, snatches it away, right? What has been sown in his heart and this is what has been sown along the path. Mark 4 gives us even more insight. These are the ones along the path. The word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes, immediately is, is um, important there, takes away the word that was sown, okay? And what we see is that this is what happens. This word of God in this first soil is when we share the gospel with people around us, and there is literally no response, right? This is what will happen Christian, as you try to live on mission, okay? Jesus is giving us insight, okay? There will, be, there will be some as you share, don't get discouraged, there will be some as you share where there is no response. I pray for you who are in this room, there's some of you 
where this is what's happening currently, right now, real time, right? Like this is like, what is this dude yelling about, right? I don't care about this. I don't understand this. I don't want to know this. When can I get out of here? I know that I'm not pretty to look at, but just, you know, like it's for other reasons. It's because the message, the message is just right over. And this is what happens when you're a believer in Jesus, you're sharing the gospel, and listen, there is no penetration whatsoever. None. Something that has saved your soul, the gospel message who is, that has changed your life, and there is no, there is just no penetration whatsoever in this person. This is what Jesus is saying will happen, right? It, it ricochets off. It is trampled underfoot, meaning even what we see in the parable of Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, or where he says in the story, do not give dogs what is holy. It's not a parable. It's just a, a command here. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot. There's a time and a place in which the gospel message is just, it's, it's not working. And literally for this person, they will just trample the gospel underfoot. It's a, it's a joke. It's not, there's no reception. There's pure rejection. And then also that the devil comes and snatches the truth away. This is the hard heart. This is the one who has not been prepared. The seed is fine. The sower is fine. It's the heart and it's hard and it's beaten down and there's zero penetration for the seed because of hardness, because of consequences of sin, maybe because of a lifetime of sin. God's not working. This is, people are busy, right? It's just hardness. Like literally, it's just, there's too much going on in that person's life or there's maybe too much sin or there's a, a background or there's a, just a rejection, intentional rejection. It's not that they don't know the word because the word, the seed has been sown. The seed has been given to them. The seed here is, it's assumed that the seed is a pure good seed. The gospel has been shared. They understand the aspects. There's zero response. So the Holy Spirit hasn't plowed. The tragedy is at this point, there's no, they're not seeing it. And I remember for myself, listen, I'll just give you a personal testimony. I had a friend in high school who was a Christian. I was the furthest thing from one, right? And he was uh, not the quote unquote cool kid. And I didn't really like to hang around with him but he just kind of always tagged along. He went on a church retreat. He was one of the only Christians I knew in the Chicagoland area, honestly. And he would write me letters often um, from these retreats that he would go on, sharing the gospel. I have some of them. And literally, I can remember reading these, and I don't remember anything of value happening, any spiritual anything happening in my heart while I'm reading this letter. Zero. Right. Like, I know that there was no conviction. There was no understanding. There was no like, oh, this is true. I should return away from my sin and trust in Jesus. I remember being in that place. So there's hope. Right. There's hope. But this is the this is the place in which the hard heart. So what we see in John chapter 16, the Holy Spirit's got to do this work. Listen, when he comes, he convicts the world of sin. Like, man, I'm a sinner of righteousness. Man, God is righteous and an impending judgment. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He shows us, man, I'm a sinner. I need my sins forgiven. God is righteous and holy. I can't meet up to that standard, but I need to. Jesus came and died for my sin. There's an impending judgment. I need to be forgiven for my sin. The Holy Spirit's got to do this plowing, this conviction work, right? This is a person who is not saved. Number two, what we see is the shallow heart, the shallow heart. So we see the unprepared heart, and then what we see is the shallow heart, shallow heart, okay? Now, as we walk through this, right, what we see in the shallow heart is that the gospel is shared, and it looks like it takes root. Let me give you the cross-references. Mark chapter 4. These are the ones who are sown on rocky ground. And the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Here's the clarification. When tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, they immediately fall away. Right? So what we see is that there's a, a receiving, there's a joy, 
but they have no root. They endure tribulation, persecution arise and account for the word immediately fall away. Matthew chapter 13. Look at this parallel. Same account for what is sown on rocky ground. This is the one who hears the word immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in themselves, endures for a while when tribulation and persecution arise in the count of the word. Immediately they fall away. Now let's look at Luke. Ready? These are the ones on the rock. He's explaining. Those who, when they hear the word, let's talk about these elements. They receive it. As you share the gospel, Christian, there will be some who actually receive a form of receiving of this word. There's a form of accepting of it. Like they, they will accept it. They will receive it. And not only will they receive it, but you ready for this? It's with joy. It's with great joy. I mean, you look at this and you say, man, I knew that they, I mean, they really got it. They were weeping and then they were shouting and it was awesome. They got the gospel. They understand the message. They are saved. I know it just because I can see their emotion externally. Right? And they've been saved. And you give them the assurance of their salvation right away and say, you are, you're in for sure. But there's no root. So it doesn't go down. There's this rock underneath, right? The soil is hard underneath the surface. It's surface level. And there's a feeding off of the nutrients surrounding it. By the way, the parallel to this would be like, if when we share the gospel, bring someone into this healthy church environment where there's believers who are following Christ, we're teaching the word of God for an hour a week, and we're, and we're singing worship songs that are based on God's word, and we're true disciples. I mean, we bring someone into this culture, man, they're going to feed off the environment around it, which is not a bad thing at all, right? But as they, their life will inevitably change some. So we're like, man, they've taken root. They're growing. They're a Christian, right? And yet at the same time, that never develop any root system of their own. Because below the surface, there's rock. And there's no true salvation that takes place. So they look at what it says here. Believe for a while. There's belief for a while. For a while. For some amount of time, there's belief. And then, in a time of testing, they fall away. Now listen, let me just tell you, this, is, this will be the most important part of today. So, so please listen and pray. As we see this, there's a few things that we need to clarify that we didn't have time to clarify last week. One is that we do not believe you can lose your salvation, okay? So this person who has believed for a while and then fallen away was one who, on the surface, from everything that the sower can see, it looks like it's taken root. But there has proven to be no true salvation that has taken place, okay? So they were never truly saved. The gospel had never taken root in the first place. We also know and talk through the idea that in order to see true salvation take place, there are two main elements, fruit and perseverance. Biblically, those are the two main elements in which take place when true salvation has happened, fruit and perseverance. Fruit, as you guys know, right, we will see fruit come from a true believer. The, the gospel will take root and the plant will grow, and there will be fruit. You guys know the passages, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace. Also, just you will be conformed into the image of Christ. You will start looking like him, right? But also perseverance. Look at these verses. Matthew 24, 13. The one who endures to the end will be saved. There's your motivation to make it to the end still clinging to Christ. And so prove to be one of his disciples. You're not earning your salvation, but it's evidence that true salvation has taken place. This is riveting. This is a little bit scary, right? But I tell you out of love because I want you to make it to the end still clinging to Christ. Look at this, Colossians chapter one, ready? And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. You're going to be saved. You're going to see him one day. You're going to be in heaven if indeed you continue in the faith. 
What about James 1.12? Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life when he has stood the test. John 6 shows us a picture. Listen, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Wait a second. Were they his true disciples? Right? John chapter 2, verse 19, they went out from us, but they were never of us, because if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. So it's evidence that true dis- salvation has never taken place. Now listen, let me tell you what's going on here because of the insight of this. So remember, fruit and perseverance for true discipleship. This is not happening here, especially the perseverance. So let me give you insight. So listen, this is where what we see as the gospel message is received probably with wrong motive. Okay, now this is giving you clarity as you share the gospel. Listen, wrong motive. Okay, how do we know this? Well, the thing that makes this plant stop, the the roots not take place, not take root, is the tribulation and the persecution and hardship testing on account of the word. Gives us insight. On the surface, looks awesome. Underneath, something. The tribulation, the hardship, the elements that come that are hard, produce and show that this salvation had never taken place. But listen, ready? This is really helpful for us because this is where what we see probably the essence is receiving Jesus with the wrong motive, wrong understanding. There's no truth. This is the better life from Jesus, felt need. I'm gonna find the felt need and I'm gonna give him Jesus for the felt need. Well, this is, leads to a receiving of Jesus that is not based on the truth of why we need to receive Jesus, okay? So I'm just giving you insight. Listen, this is what happens. Why? Well, because it's superficial, it's on the surface, and it looks like it's receiving and looking like it's growing and feeding off the nutrients for a little while from the things surrounding it, and yet doesn't last because there's no root, right? And so what we see is this is the one in which has probably received Jesus with the wrong motives because persecution and trial comes. So here's what we see is those picture for a better life or, a, or Jesus is going to fix all my issues, which he does in a lot of ways fix a lot of our issues. And yet that's not the main reason to receive Jesus. There's rock underneath. So the truth has never taken root, which is that we need our sins forgiven. That's the essence of why someone needs to trust in Jesus. You need your sins forgiven. Okay, that's the essence of this is that you only have two options. Either Jesus pays for your sin or you do. And so if the motive, right, we're getting to down to how to break up this rock because the rock's there in the soil of the heart, but we don't know the rock is there, which is the sinfulness and the sinfulness, there's no awareness that there's sinfulness. So listen, what, what we have to do is we have to paint a picture of people's sin, then you have no opportunity to be picky and choosy about whether or not you want a a savior. Because the issue is not whether or not he's gonna work for your life, it's whether or not you want your sins forgiven or you don't. That's, That's the essence here. And so listen, believer, when you're sharing the gospel with somebody, you have to spend significant time on the essence of their sin and the punishment for it, or else it becomes, do I want Jesus? Do I want this life, the Christianity thing? Do I want it or not? But if you spend time on the sinfulness, that's why in our gospel track, spend time in this in someone's sin and the punishment that is, is due because God is holy and there's no more mm, picky and choosy. It's I, either I want my sins forgiven or don't. That's what breaks up the rock, okay? So this is the essence of it, is that the, there's no, the depth, the rock is there because there's no truth of why someone is praying to receive Jesus. And I will tell you that this is the, this is the scary part about contemporary Christian culture, it's because, listen, and they're all, there's a lot of good things that come. I don't, I'm just telling you this because this is the passage, okay? When you think about, like, Christian, um, uh, I don't know, uh, concerts, or when you think about big conferences, the, it doesn't deal with the rocky soil. That's why it's so dangerous in the gospel sharing. Because it's, it's Jesus, center of everything. He's our main focus, Awesome. We need Jesus, right? He's great, grace, receive, etc. But it's in a way that is Jesus is your answer. Awesome. Grace, forgiveness. He's amazing. But what happens is it short circuits the front side of the gospel message, which is 
It's not, he's going to do a lot of those things, but the reason in which we receive him and need to focus on Jesus is because, listen, people, you need your sins forgiven. And here's the depth of the sinful nature. So we, we, we take away the front side and we put only what we see on the backside, which is Jesus' forgiveness of sin, right? And that's the rocky soil because it's the wrong motive. It falls on the surface. And then later on, because it's not the essence of the message that I need forgiveness for my sin, I'll fall away because just like the Pharisees, I'll be picky and choosy about whether he's the disciple, the, the, the savior I want. It will not match up. It won't match up. You know when the disciples... They said, they, there were some people who said, we're not going to follow you anymore. And then he looked at the disciples, he, Peter, and he said, you guys going to go away too? And they said, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. What they were saying was, we haven't received you for no reason, for wrong motives, for surface level, better life now. You need you to fix your, my problems and make me happy. We're not leaving, even though this Christian life is hard, this stinks, the word of God is tough to understand. I got to go to that church for an hour and a half every Sunday. I got to read my Bible in the morning. I got to fight sin. I'm not going anywhere, Jesus, because I have no other choice for my sins to be forgiven. You're the only one who offers it. This is the essence of the surface level heart, is that it's for the wrong motive and therefore it falls away when tribulation comes because that just doesn't match up. It doesn't match up with what I've been promised and what I wanted Jesus for. So we got to tell people about their sin and the need for their sin to be forgiven in order for this rocky soil to be broken up. This is the main issue here. When you share the gospel, spend good, objective time on the sinfulness of someone's heart and their need for forgiveness, and that being the reason why we need to trust in Jesus. I was talking to my wife about this the other day, about our parenting. And as I was learning this truth, I'm saying to myself, listen, there's a lot of reasons as to why our kids, we want our kids to receive Christ. And there's no way for us to guarantee that they will become Christians. But you want to know one of the ways in which we can do that most effectively is not put before them, although he is enticing, just simply an enticing Jesus and hope they pick him. But instead, help them understand the reality and the gravity of their sin and the need for them to be forgiven of their sin. And then they will have no time to be picky or choosy. They will be making a decision, either I believe this and want Jesus to pay for my sin or I'm going to risk it and try to make up for it on my own. That's the essence here. That's the surface level heart that will fall away in time of persecution. The third, what we see here, is the preoccupied heart. It's the last one I'm gonna spend time on, and then the fourth I'm just gonna touch on, the preoccupied heart. Listen, got about 10 minutes. The preoccupied heart. What we see in this last one before the good soil as for the one that fell among the thorns, they are the ones who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life, and their fruit does not mature. Here's some cross-references for Matthew Mark to help you understand it. Look at this, ready? As for what was sown among the thorns, it's the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulnesses of riches, choke it out and it proves to be unfruitful. Mark 4, and others are the ones who are sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, entice and choke out the word, and it proves to be unfruitful. Believer in Jesus, as you share the gospel, this will happen. And here's what happens. They hear the seed falls among a heart that looks good from the surface, underneath impurities, thorns, weeds that take the nutrients, they are those who hear, but as they go on, so that hearing implies a believing, it believes a receiving of some sort because they go on. And as they go on, then they are choked out by cares and riches and pleasures of this life. As we saw in the other verses, deceitfulness of pleasures, worlds, worldly riches. This is the one 
Listen, who in the same way as the first, as the second seed, is not coming to Jesus because righteousness is what they want. They see their sin, they're burdened by it. I want forgiveness and I want the righteousness of God so that I can stand before him on judgment day and be with him forever. Instead, this is still better life now, Jesus. And it's self, maybe self-absorbed. I'm at the center of my own universe, not righteousness what I want, but more kind of personal fulfillment, right? And so we see these roots are going among the thorns and these thorns Thorns are strong and they're not known to the farmer and they're toxic and we hear and they accept and they go on this path of believing, but the pleasures of this life begin to crowd it out, right? Again, there's no, there's no combination here. This doesn't work. If I want Jesus for the forgiveness of my sin, I'm not leaving because there's no other option. But if I want the better life now and at the same time want syncretism, which is I want everything that I want and I want Jesus because it also benefits me, then listen, it doesn't work. It just will not work because there will come times where you have to choose Jesus, which will require sacrifice and death to self and poverty and loss and suffering, and persecution, and famine, and nakedness, and sword. I mean, there will come times when you will look like Jesus in your suffering and be martyred because of your faith, or there will become times where, where you have to give up yourself, die to yourself in order to serve another, and this will take a choosing at some point. And if this is the reason why someone is receiving Jesus, it will not work. It will not work. But the one in this instance chooses the temporal. Temporal, the, the things right now. This, this person receives the seed, goes on for some time, but, but chooses when the choice eventually comes, which it will, chooses right here, right now. Maybe the, not the first time they say, okay, I'm gonna try to muster through and pick Jesus this time. Maybe not the second time, I'm gonna try to muster through and pick Jesus. But eventually this choice begins to be overpowered by the world's enticements, and you just say, you know what? This Jesus is really hindering my path to my, the life that I want. And you choose the way that's temporary. Look at this, Mark chapter 8, verse 36. This is what kept me in the faith, honestly. For whoever would lose his life will save it. Whoever save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For listen, church, you gotta think eternally and you gotta beckon people to think eternally. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Don't leave Christ. The believer doesn't leave Christ because he thinks eternally. He knows, he knows that the pleasures are gonna tempt, the riches are gonna tempt, but there's only one way for sins to be forgiven and it's through Christ and I'm thinking eternally. Eternally is forever. I've been heard it described as like, imagine an ant walking around the world in one path over and over and over and over and over again until it cuts the world in half. How long would that take? I mean, okay, right? Ridiculous. Now, it's not even a day in eternity. Eternity's just started. You choose that over right now. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Don't pick right now. And this is what's happening with this believer. It doesn't match. And so it takes root for a little while and you end up choosing the world long term. And this is what we see. Matthew 6 tells us you can't serve two masters. You're either going to hate the one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You will not be able to serve both. So if you pick Jesus for some time, but yet... Are, you're, the, first, the second soil is you're not recognizing your sin and need for forgiveness. The third soil is you're unwilling to repent of that sin and turn away from the pleasures of this life and pick Jesus. And so this is what we need to see. Church, listen, this is the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Matthew 13, is a picture of one who truly picks Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes, he sells everything that he has to buy this field. Jesus is more valuable. Church, when you share the gospel, you will experience pure rejection. You will experience those who look like they take root with joy. And yet the reason for receiving Jesus is not for forgiveness of sin, but it's alternative motives and therefore will not last. And you will see those who also try to reconcile it with the world. And one day as they have to choose, will pick We'll pick the world. And fourth, lastly, for time's sake, what we see is the repentant and the believing heart. I'm not going to cover it because it's pretty clear. 
But this is the soil at the end. It's the good soil. They hear, they hold fast, they produce fruit. Ready? Perseverance, longevity, and fruitfulness. Because you're willing to recognize your sin, your need for a savior, to turn away from it, to trust in Jesus for the right reasons, and decide to live for him, and you last to the end. Church, look at me, ready? Your salvation will be proven when you make it to the end of your life still clinging to Jesus. And it will be displayed by the fruit of your life. This is the one who's willing to turn away from sin and believe in what Jesus has done and receive forgiveness of sin, produce fruit, and last. It says holds fast with patience. I pray that this truth of this parable would give us insight as we share the gospel with people and to the awareness some will reject Some will be false believers for a couple of reasons, and some will receive it, produce fruit, and last. Be on mission, church. Don't be discouraged as you share, and understand this reality. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and we know that um, this truth is extensive and deep. It's also a lot for us to cover. I pray, God, that you would use us in our lives for us to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. We pray that it helps you joyfully make Jesus Christ your treasure.